Okay, how do we live in a more free, more connected, mm -hmm. more unified world? And yeah, well, it, it's it has it's freedom's not out there; it's in here. You right. know, that's I think one of Frank's big messages. It's one of the things that comes up over and over again. The work that I do that. You know, we need to be at peace with ourselves. We need to feel that in here. And while we're influenced by the things that happen out there, we really don't have a whole lot of control over that. We can protest and we can make ourselves know, we can stand in our truth, but we wanna be in that place, that place of freedom within ourselves wow. so that those things don't affect us so violently. Um, and we don't base our sense of happiness on what's going on out there. Right. Um, so the inner work is, is the hardest part. It's so much easier to blame everything else, mm -hmm. but the inner work is hard. And, and this was, again, this, this sense of what the shift is offering us is, is that contemplation, that inner awareness that says, where do I want to be? How do I want my life to feel? What do I want to contribute? What do I need to express before I leave here? You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? If you feel like that's what you want to do. Welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. As always, wonderful to be with you all again. And thank you, everyone, that tuned into the High Self Expo as we streamed live. Oh, the week before last, I took last week off from the show. It was such a big effort putting on the expo and all those amazing speakers. Weren't they incredible? They were just incredible. Well, after we've discussed where science meets spirituality, I'm getting really galactic. <laughs> I've booked in a whole lot of fabulous people for the next few weeks who were speaking about our galactic, our star nation brothers and sisters and channeling them and contacting them. And um, I'd love to introduce you to Tracy Farquhar. Welcome to the show, Tracy. Hi, thanks for having me, Karen. I found Tracy on UFO Hub, which is uh, Adnan's uh, YouTube and uh, work. And I just loved your conversation with Adnan on uh, ufo hub i've had adnan on my show he he used to do <laughs> i think i contributed to this a bit he used to only do uh, interviews where he didn't speak you never saw him at all and then i had him on my show and he was so shy and i think that by throwing him in front of the camera it allowed him to overcome his shyness but did you find that he's still quite shy when he's on camera well a little bit but i can relate because i'm a real introvert as well <laughs> yeah let me tell you a little bit about Tracy. Tracy never thought she'd be a professional psychic medium as she was unaware of her psychic abilities in her younger years. As a highly sensitive child, she was labelled as shy because she avoided crowds and tended to be quite introverted, as you say. It wasn't until 2005 when Tracy started investigating her intuitive senses in psychic development classes that she discovered her sensitivities were more than just shyness Tracy found her heightened sensitivity and innate intuitive abilities could be used to help people looking for guidance who have not yet realized they can also tap into spirit. Tracy found she could tap into both spirit and living energy to guide people on their path. 
Then one day on her journey as a psychic medium, Tracy discovered her abilities to channel higher consciousness. She connected with a collective of interstellar beings who call themselves Frank. This was the day that changed everything as Frank transmitted amazing, uplifting universal messages of hope and love for humanity and led Tracy to publish two channeled books. One, Frank Talk, a book of channeled wisdom, and two, Channeled Messages from Deep Space. Her third book, Tarot for Today, is a book of modern tarot interpretations, a unique deck of 78 tarot cards in book form designed using Tracy's own personal photos. Today, Tracy Farquhar's passion has led her to her full-time business as an internationally renowned professional psychic medium and channel, psychic development instructor, and inspirational speaker who offers, offers readings, workshops, and classes. So what fascinated me about your story, apart from you developing your psychic abilities, which I've heard from many psychics, who were a bit like me. I had no idea I was psychic as a kid either. And um, I didn't even know that I was sensitive. I just knew that I was seriously shy when it came to talking to adults. If I had to talk to an adult, I just burst into tears <laughs> when I was little. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I just didn't understand. But I don't know, maybe it's the same for you. I think the energy of an adult was overwhelming did you find that when you were little, like like little, little, like under 10, under eight? I think everything was overwhelming for me. <laughs> you know, um, I don't think there was any one thing. I just found that uh, I needed more quiet time. Uh, I was just a lot more quiet than most. Um, I didn't like crowds. I didn't, I just didn't like a lot of energy around me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was labeled uh, shy. I was... Uh, you know, labeled as different. And I always felt it was a fault until I discovered that it meant something else. I have to say, I thought it was a fault too. It's interesting because when I was around other kids, I was pretty gregarious and, and loud and funny and, and loud. But when I was around adults, I was just totally introverted. And yeah, and I think that as children, we just beat ourselves up because we're just, you know, we just think we're not good enough. Uh, so what led you to investigate, like to do psychic development courses? Something happened between being labeled as a shy kid and then doing psychic development courses. What happened? Well, my family was always very open to it. And I, I have a couple sisters who were extremely open to it. And one sister who's been a practicing psychic in her lifetime. It's, you know, she has explored a lot of spiritual things. So, you know, there were Ouija boards being used. You know, there were things like that going on around me. And it didn't seem that unusual. Um, we also had a, lived in a house that had uh, some spirit activity in it, uh, which was really interesting to me rather than being very frightening. So it was something I grew up with as an, uh, just part of my life. And I was very interested in exploring that always. So I was drawn to that, but not in a way where I thought that I had any abilities at all. It just wasn't something that crossed my mind. I would have occasional experiences, but nothing that, that really led me to believe that I was psychic in any way. Um, but then taking those classes, it was just out of a sense of interest. I had been living in England for seven years. And when I came back to the States, a friend of mine was taking those classes. So I decided to go with her because, again, it was an interest of mine. And pretty soon into those classes, I found 
that I was having experiences. We were doing practice readings and I was pretty good at it. So it was a part of an awakening to the idea that what caused me to be sensitive wasn't just the external world. It was my openness to energy. And so yeah. the energy that comes in is kind of magnified because I'm so sensitive to it. And understanding that it hasn't just created my career, it's helped me to understand myself better and to honor those sensitivities as well. Yeah, it's a bit of a dilemma because like many sensitive people who do come into the awareness of their intuitive psychic abilities, now they're being asked to do it, you know, publicly, like with you and Frank. So Frank turns up and now you're being, and so you've got to grapple with that shyness and putting yourself out there how did you deal with that because this is because I work with a lot of healers and and you know this was my story so I use my story to help others on their story that reticent to want to sort of put themselves in front of crowds or on camera or Mm -hmm. well I think the universe was kind of preparing me for that because uh, I decided to go to university in my 30s I was a mature student and when I, after I graduated uh, with bachelor's degree, I went on to take a, a postgraduate degree and was a teacher then. So I was a teaching assistant. And so it was the first time I ever really stood up in front of people and, and taught. And I discovered that I loved it, you know, because I was talking about things that I knew about, <laughs> you know, I felt comfortable uh, teaching and I never thought that I would which was really interesting because now I teach a lot. So what I discovered was that if it's something I, I feel comfortable talking about, if it's something I have some interest and passion in, I can talk for hours. Um, but as far as being in a party and making small talk, no, not at all. <laughs> you know, that's, not, that's not my thing. So um, the shyness is, is, is really not shyness. It's, it's more of just being uncomfortable uh, in a social situation. So I guess it's a little social awkwardness more than shyness. <laughs> yeah. You know, this sensitivity, you see it with babies so often. Um, babies are so cute and everyone wants to reach out and grab them and they're sort of hanging on their mother. And as soon as this sort of energy comes towards them, you see babies retract and go, oh. <laughs> you know, because they feel this this energy coming towards them that they have to sort of now unpack, you know, deal with. And, um, and you see them hide and shove their faces, you know, under their mother's arm or in the neck or something. But uh, yeah, we're so unaware of our energy as humans mostly, aren't we? And, and how we're bringing our energy to things, right? We're just so unaware, especially around sensitive people. I think that the more sensitive people there are, in the world, it makes us more aware of how we're flowing our energy as humans. Mm-hmm. So, and I think it's interesting that you talk about babies because I think we're all born with a certain amount of sensitivity, some more than others, but we can all tune into energy and it's just a natural ability. Babies and children have experiences all the time, yeah. but at some point, you know, they start realizing they're getting funny looks from the adults or they're not being understood or nobody else is talking about these things very much. So we tend to block that sensitivity, our intuition, our ability to tune into energy, our sensitivity to spirit. Um, So when I teach psychic development, it isn't about teaching people how to be 
sensitive and psychic. It's teaching them to remove the blocks that they've put up to that ability because it's not really socially acceptable in right. our culture. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely true. And that's absolutely true. It's so well articulated. Yeah, you don't teach people how to be psychic. You, you remind them that they already are and you help them remove the doubt. That, yeah, that's all I do too. Is that people say, "How do I speak to my spirit guides?" And I'm like, "You're already speaking to them. You've just got to remove the right. doubt." Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So when you tapped into your psychic abilities, did you hear like guidance from your uh, sort of? I call my guides the mob, like your mob that were not specifically Frank. We'll get into Frank in a minute, but did you have that um, sort of? knowing or understanding that you had a team working with you? Well, I think I have an understanding of that, but in a, in a, a psychic reading, I think the message is more important than the source of the message. So mm-hmm. I'm not always sure where it's coming from. I just right. know it's coming from a higher source, either my higher self, my guides, the, the client's guides, uh, their higher self. I think it's all working together to bring me the information that I need to, to help move them along on, on their path. Um, now when I do mediumship reading, which is connecting to spirit, then of course the source is more important. And of course with the channeling as well, but with the psychic reading, I think there's a lot of different sources, uh, that come through there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's get on to Frank. Frank fascinates (laughs) me. (laughs) What was happening, uh, when they introduced themselves to you, what was happening in your life at the time? Like, what were you going through? Well, I had been practicing uh, as a psychic medium, kind of part time. I was working full time and doing the business part time. So I was still kind of developing that and getting used to that. Uh, but I had been doing it for several years, so it wasn't new. And and of course, you know, I feel like I'm continually getting better still. So it was you know getting to a point where you know I was being more confident about it. Um, doing more sessions with people. And so, as I mentioned, my sister is also very sensitive and psychic, and she was visiting me at the time. And we had a series of events, it was right around Christmas time, that just kind of told us that something was trying to contact us. You know, since we're both sensitive, we were feeling these things going on that, um, just kind of led us to believe there was something going, something trying to come through. So as I mentioned, when I was growing up, my sisters were always using Ouija board, you know, which I know a lot of people have a negative uh, thought about, but it's, they had a lot of positive experiences connecting with spirit through the Ouija board. So we decided that's how we were going to find out what wanted to come through, but I didn't have one. So we made one out of cardboard. We got a piece of cardboard. We, you know, copied an image off the computer we sat down with it and not too far into the session it spelled out f-r-a-n-k and i said to her i don't know anybody named frank do you know anybody named frank and we don't have anybody in our family that was deceased with that name we had no idea who this was um but after a few minutes we realized this is a pretty intelligent uh being that was coming through here and what they did was they asked if I would do automatic writing because it would be easier for them. Now I had never done automatic writing in my life. I didn't know what that was going to be like, but I said, sure, I'll try it. For some reason it had to be me. 
and they wanted me to try it that evening. And they gave me instructions to sit at dusk with a candle in a nice relaxed meditative state, with pen and paper. So I did that, still had no idea what to expect. I thought maybe my hand was just gonna write independently of <laughs> the rest of me. Um, <clears throat> but what I found after a few minutes of sitting there, that I got a word just kind of in, in my consciousness, I got a word and I wrote it down and I got another word and I wrote it down. So it was like taking dictation. And again, the universe had prepared me for that because I had been a secretary for many years before this and was still working as an administrative assistant. So I knew how to take dictation. Um, so it was clearly different though from any other experience that I've had because it wasn't like I had a thought and something I wanted to convey and then I wrote the words. It was someone else's words coming through and I had no idea how they were stringing together until they stopped and I read it and realized it was actually making sense. Um, so I did that for a while for, um, you know, every night I would sit down and, and get some information from them. It was really fascinating. I asked questions about them. You know, I would actually write a question and then I would get the information, write it down. <clears throat> and I asked them at that time, uh, did you want to write a book? Because it sounded like wisdom that was important for the world and they said no not yet not now so after a while I, I just stopped I stopped doing it I put it aside for a couple years you know I didn't I didn't pick it up again until I really started to feel the nudge there is an actual physical sensation that I get when when they want to communicate it's a it's a pressure on my right arm that actually feels like someone's hand on my arm and I was feeling that and it was pretty persistent so I graduated from handwriting to a keyboard, which was much, much easier. And since I have my eyes closed all the time when I do this work, I found that sometimes I couldn't read what I had written. So the keyboard's much easier. Again, I had a lot of typing experience in my life. And at, when I picked it up again and started communicating with them again, that's when they said, yes, we want to write a book now. So that was the first book, and I have it here and show you. So this is the Frank Talk book. Um, and so this was self-published. Um, I published it through Amazon in 2014. Uh, so in 2012, I had become involved with Mike Dooley, who is a, a speaker. Uh, and he, he has many, many books. He's a Hay House author. And he ran a program to train people to, to teach his infinite possibilities program. So I took that, I became a trainer and I started going to these conferences and I knew that he was very interested in channeling. So I made sure he got a copy of my book and really had no thought that he would read it because I know people give him books all the time, but he did read it. He loved it, he contacted me and we started working together with Frank. So we would have personal sessions on the computer where you know, I would channel Frank and he would ask some very profound questions. And um, so we wound up doing a webinar uh, with an audience and the, uh, the format was so well received, we then decided to write a book together. And that's the second book, which is the paperback version is called Channeled Messages from Deep Space. When it was originally published by Hay House, it was called uh, From Deep Space with Love, but they changed it to make it a little clearer that it's a channeled book. 
so that was published in 2017, uh, three years after the first one. Uh, so the work with Frank has continued in a few different ways where I have done live channeled verbal channeling uh, online uh, and in person. I've done several at Mike Dooley's conferences. You know, I would, would do sessions with the audience there. And again, online sessions. And um, still doing the writing, uh, mostly just as uh, question and answers for people online or just words of wisdom that happened to come up and I posted on social media. Um, but I haven't done the verbal channeling for a while now. Um, they had a few things to say through the pandemic period, um, but they've been pretty quiet so far this year. So I'm sure I'll do it again. I just haven't really felt that strong urge to do that lately. Wow. <laughs> Frank. Why Frank? Why the name Frank? Is it an acronym or something? I don't think so. I think it was just, you know, it was like I said, it just came through the first contact with them. They gave me that name. I'm sure it's just a name that they want to use. That's um, a simple, easy to easy to remember name. Um, I think they kind of, it, it feels to me like they wanted to use a kind of regular name um, because they want to be seen as, uh, you know, just a consciousness that's very much like ours. You know, they, they may be physically very different. Uh, they may be from a place far, far away, but their consciousness is very similar. Their experiences on their planet that they've described uh, have a lot of similarities with what we've been going through, which is one of the reasons that they decided to communicate with us. Which was a question that I have posed. Why you, what's your relationship with them? Like, what was your agreement? Your, did you have an agreement? Anyway, I'll let you answer that. Yeah, um, I think, first of all, you know, when that, that question has been asked and what they have said in so many words is that, you know, I'm not the only person they're working with, first of all. Yeah. Um, but they are. So first of all, they're they're not spirit. So they are living beings mm -hmm. who are projecting their consciousness and that consciousness is, is their spirit energy. It is part of that higher awareness. So they're aware when someone is sensitive to energy. So it, it seems to me that they're able to kind of, I don't know if they get a visual of that or just a sensation of that, that they can feel when somebody is sensitive to energy. And so they, they found me that way because I was doing that work. Um, I feel like because especially the mediumship, it's very similar. It's very similar work. And so I was used to connecting with non-physical energy and was comfortable with that. Also, I think my belief system is in alignment with what they talk about. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important as well because I have a very clear intention that I don't connect with anything that's not in alignment with my belief system and my intentions. Mm -hmm. So I'm only ever connecting to higher energy, higher consciousness, whether it's spirit or, you know, extraterrestrial. Um, so that, you know, I don't think my consciousness would let anything in that wasn't in alignment because I have that intention. So I think they're aware of that as well. Also, I have to say that, it, you know, in thinking about, again, how things led up to this, 
because we know there's no coincidences or accidents. When I took that psychic development class, the very first night that I sat in that class, I was seeing a being behind my teacher. And I ne never really saw anything like that before. But it was, it was taller than him. It was kind of shadowy. So I kept thinking I was seeing like an after image, you know, so I would squeeze my eyes shut and I would try all kinds of things. And finally, I asked my friend who had been taking the class, all right, what is this that I'm seeing? Because I'm seeing something behind him. And she said, oh, that's his spirit guide. It's the blue man. And he's an extraterrestrial. So I actually had a few experiences and meditations in that class with this blue man, which were really kind of trippy. <laughs> but there was something about that that I feel is somehow tied into Frank. And I had some other experiences that I felt like I was kind of being checked out, you know, um, kind of scanned, actually, to see if I was, you know, at the time, I had no idea what that was. But now that I think about it, pretty sure it was related to Frank coming in, even though it was many years before they did. It was several years before they did. Um, so again, I don't think I'm the only person that's dealing with them. They, they may use other names with other people. I'm not sure, but I've had some people come to me and, and say that they feel like they've connected with Frank as well. Um, so, you know, they, they have come here to share their story because it's similar to our story on Earth. Uh, they were very close to annihilation on their planet. Um, they were much farther along in the environmental destruction than we are. So, you know, they have shared a lot of wisdom about how they turned that around. Um, and, and a lot of that is in both books. I'd That's love okay. to hear about your trippy experiences with the blue men. <laughs> I've got more questions about Frank, so I'm getting to them if people are like thinking, tell me more about Frank. But, um, but I'll... Well, in, in one meditation, um, and, and the, the interesting thing is that I came to this class and said, you know, I can't meditate. Uh, you know, I'll go along with it, but I'm not able to meditate. Well, by the second class, I'm in full-blown meditation. This is a good teacher I had. Um, so in one of those meditations, I kind of went off into wherever I went and was no longer hearing the voice of my teacher in the guided meditation. But I was seeing myself seated in a chair. So I was witnessing this in my inner vision. I could see myself seated in a chair. And I saw a, a being near me. Uh, which I knew was the blue man. And every time that I have visualized him or that he's come to me, he kind of looks like a knight in armor, full-bodied armor. It's really interesting. It's nothing that I can see of him that is human. It's all this kind of armor. So I, I'm, you know, I'm sure that's not what he really looks like, but it's the way that he presents himself to me. Um, and he was just standing there and I, was visualizing and seeing this like vortex of energy swirling around me. Um, and it just, it, you know, I could just feel this swirling energy. And then this, this being, this blue man, he handed me a box. And the box had uh, an X on it. But for some reason, I saw it as four triangles. I really am not sure what that meant. Um, he handed it to me. And in, in the vision, I took it and it kind of went into my heart. And when I came out of that meditation, I felt like I had had 12 cups of coffee 
it was the strangest sensation. I was vibrating. And, and so I, you know, I raised my hand and I said that I told the teacher what happened in the class and he brought me up to the front of the class. He did some Reiki to try to calm my energy down, but I literally couldn't keep my eyes closed. It was the strangest sensation. And when I went home, I, I thought I wouldn't sleep, but I did. And I had, I was traveling all night long with the blue man. And I remember a little bit of the, that travel of actually having um, astral travel with, with this being. And, and I don't normally have dreams like that, but um, it, so that was really, I really feel like that kind of ushered everything into being, you know, I think that somehow um, that helped me. It opened me up, whatever that was he gave me kind of opened me up. And it may also, again, have opened me up to the possibility of bringing forth Frank. You know, somehow they may be related. Um, I've never really asked that question, but it's something that I sense. Yeah, I can hear people saying, oh, he's wearing armor. He's Archangel Michael, you know, oh, he's mm. an Archangel. But uh, you got very clearly that he's an extraterrestrial, like mm -hmm. he's a, like the blue man, like Frank. Mm -hmm is a projection of their consciousness, of, of the consciousness that is incarnate in somebody elsewhere mm -hmm. in the cosmos, right? I think so. I think so. Yeah, I didn't get the angelic connection. I have felt uh, archangel energy, and uh -huh. it, that wasn't the same. It wasn't, wasn't the, same. the same. Why do you think he presented as Ama? I don't know. It's really interesting. That. I don't know. It's, you know, I, I uh, after that vision... Um, I was in a, an art museum, Philadelphia Art Museum, and, and there was armor there that looked exactly like what I had seen this, you know, the armor that kind of comes to a point here in the face. So there's, oh. there's no face visible. It's just, so it may just be, you know, I think also with Frank, like they, they only given me one brief glimpse of what they actually look like. Oh, and I think... You want to explain to us what they look like? Yeah, yeah. but I think there is a, an aspect of that that you know, we may not react very well to something that looks so different from us, and they know that, right? So, yeah. uh, Frank showed themselves to me in a meditation as well. So it was a meditation. I was running a retreat with two friends. My one friend was leading this very, very deep guided meditation. And I felt them coming in, in the meditation. And I asked, can you show me? Because you haven't shown me what you look like yet. And I got this very brief glimpse. Two days later, I was at a psychic fair where a friend of mine who is an intuitive artist had some of her work displayed. And I just kind of wandered over to her booth and stood there looking at the paintings and gasped. I uh, couldn't believe what I saw. There was a painting that was almost exactly what I had seen. So I bought the painting and I put it on the cover of Frank Talk. So it's not exactly either the the face and the, you know there wasn't hair like that, but this kind of almost like a snail shell swirl was what I saw, and this kind of almost like a fin. Um, that was it, and the color was exactly what I saw. It, it blew my mind when I saw this. Um, and she told me when she painted it, she felt that she was channeling. So that's that's why that's on the, the cover of the book. Wow, Tracy. 
So, <laughs> so Frank, are, I love the aquatic look to it. I'm very mm. connected to very connected to aquatic beings. It's winter mm. here in Sydney, Australia. And yesterday it was quite a nice day and I went in the ocean and I'm like, oh, I so miss the ocean. The ocean is my home. So on some planet somewhere I'm, I'm living in the ocean, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> but they're mm -hmm. also blue. So they're humanoid looking. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're not, they don't look like spiders or insects or ants or, you know, like they're not blobs of like jelly or, you know, because there's so <laughs> many forms. There are so many forms well, that we could interact with. Yeah. Um, there is an aspect of them that we can relate to, but there's also an almost like a snail-like aspect and almost like a, I also feel very drawn to like a cephalopod, like an octopus or something. There's something about that. You know, they don't look exactly like that, but there's a feeling of that in them. Um, so, you know, I, I'm still not hundred percent clear on exactly what they look like as it was so brief but this I felt was the closest that I could come to what I had seen the color is kind of like a bluish green and um you know they're they're what they have told me about their planet is that they largely live underground mm -hmm. um that they're that they have two suns that are very close to their planet and most of the time their external world is uninhabitable because of that mm -hmm. so there are there are times in their solar year where they can come up but most of the time you know at, and sometimes when they are speaking about this i'm seeing it in my mind's eye mm -hmm. and so it's almost like these like you know we have underground houses here on this planet so it's kind of like those like grass mounds that you see where you know you enter and you go under underground so it that um, the sense is that uh, there's also been so much damage to their planet that it, there are still parts of it that, you know, are, are not recovered yet from the damage that they did. What did they go through? Uh, you said that they are, uh, you know, connected to Earth because we're at, well, you didn't use these words, but we're at a precipice point mm -hmm. um, and they have gone through a destructive point as well and we're at this precipice what did they go through did they have like some solar ejection that sort of burnt the planet or because that's a lot of people are speaking about that it's all over the internet at the moment i seem to be completely consumed with it <laughs> it's Sue walker in the in my online group the inner day the other day mm. and her galactic guides are talking about this um that we're you know up for some big solar yeah. Um, yeah. The, what they talked about mostly was their influence on the planet, not necessarily a, a natural influence that um, that they misused resources, you know, just very similar to us that they they, you know, were not environmentally aware. Um, you know, they they damaged their own planet by misuse and also this sense of um, the idea of capitalism, although they don't really call it that in their culture, it was still this, that that kind of overtook any sense of responsibility to the planet. Um, and that they were at such a, a, a bad place with that, at that precipice, as you said, that there was a core group of scientists, which they, they present themselves as scientists, 
um, who really understood that they had to bring some kind of higher awareness to this situation. Um, and so they, they studied consciousness more deeply and they started to understand consciousness more deeply and they started to meld the idea of uh, science and spirituality, uh, you know, even though a lot of people were resistant of that. So it all sounds very familiar, right? Um, and so through that, you know, kind of higher wisdom, they were able to find other sources of energy. They were able to convince people to shift the way they were thinking. They actually uh, got rid of a monetary system. You know, yeah. They no longer have that. Hallelujah. So that, yeah, that was only through this kind of higher consciousness. And in studying consciousness, that's also how they learn to kind of project their consciousness through the universe and you know, they have connected with lots of other beings and planets. And it's it's just a really fascinating thing to, to you know, as the channel for it. As I said, sometimes when they're talking about this, I can, I get visions of it and I can feel the energy of it. It's just amazing. Well, um, as you're talking about it, I'm getting huge amounts of visions about it. And, <laughs> I, and I'm seeing that uh, this happened a long time ago and mm-hmm. they've been through many iterations since they've been through many evolutions since mm-hmm. where they're currently connecting to you from um yeah that that, that yeah mm-hmm. but they're talking about this because this is where we are at the moment but i'm mm-hmm. just seeing you know in linear years like eons of time pass since mm. that happened yeah i mean it took a long time for them to get to that place and, you know, relatively, even though it was still a long time, it was a relatively shorter time to, to kind of reconcile with that and, and start to move forward. Um, you know, and they talk about how there was always dissenters, there's always resistors to change. And they had to really push a lot of this stuff because just like us, you know, people resist change and changing the way that they think and live. Um, but it was the, you know, they had to convince people it was the only way they were going to survive. Uh, so, you know, I think that they've come at a time where, you know, those of us who do this work know that we're in the middle of this huge shift, especially like right now at this point. Um, and, you know, when we went into the pandemic period and, you know, all that stuff was happening, I started to go back through the books and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this is what they were talking about. You know, they never mentioned a pandemic. They never said anything that that, you know, they don't predict things for us. But so many of the things that they talked about were so much in alignment with what was going on, you know, with our American government and with the pandemic and, you know, the systems that needed changing and how people were becoming more aware of the need for that change. Um, so it's it's pretty astounding to look back and see that they, you know, that the they kind of saw this coming again. They don't think of themselves as psychics, but they knew enough from their own experience to see where we're, we were headed. Uh, but they also see the potential. And that's why they're here. You know, yeah. they, they see that we have the potential to be so much better to, you know, to create change. They are great admirers of ours. You know, they, they love this planet. They t- talk a lot about how there is no other place that they have been where there is such a wide diversity of life right. and beauty. And beauty, the um, natural beauty. Uh, I heard you say that on Adnan's show that, um, and I've heard this with so many of my guests and 
um, who are booking through extraterrestrials, either through channeling or other means, that the natural beauty of this planet and the diversity of life far surpasses pretty much mm-hmm. every other planet in the cosmos that they know of. And um, we have to look after it and protect it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've heard that same story about planets being destroyed and people, you know, civilizations living underground. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, the, and the top of the planet is a bit like Mars, you know, it's very mm-hmm. desolate. And it, but it seems to be kind of a common story in the cosmos. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and the warning is for Earth humans, don't let it happen to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I get so much love from them because it is it's a, such a loving gesture to to want to do this for us and, and to come through and and offer us some wisdom and advice. And, you know, they don't even just limit that to, you know, uh, uh, the collective here. You know, they also give people personal advice. Mm-hmm. Um you know, again, they don't predict things for people. Sometimes people expect them to, but, you know, they will say, you know, this is, this is a way that you can deal with this from a higher perspective. And, you know, this is where you can start to move toward your potential because I think, you know, what they've helped me to see is that we're each an individual, we each have an individual experience of the whole and we're each individually participating in the whole. So as we shift our own thinking and our, our own ways of, of seeing the world, our own perspective, we're also contributing to the collective shift. Um, and it's been a very interesting few months for me as a psychic medium. I've been doing a lot of readings for people and everyone, and, and, and I'm not even exaggerating, every single person is at a crossroads of transformation. Absolutely. It, it's, it, it is really incredible to witness and a lot of people are very uncomfortable with that. And a lot of people have had their lives really shaken up to get to that place. But again, it's so much what Frank has been saying that, you know, we need to open to change so that we can participate in the shift. You know, the shift is happening whether we participate or not, but we want to direct it. We want to participate in this sense of shifting towards something better. So if we do that individually with ourselves in our own lives, you know, we're also creating that enormous wave of change globally um and i feel it and it's happening and you know it's not always a great feeling because we're uncomfortable with it but i know from my work with them that we're heading for a better place yeah well absolutely uh absolutely it's the mass awakening it's the great awakening i don't know we've been talking about i've been doing this work for a, a long time we've been talking about it for a long time and i remember like 20 years ago we used to gather in our groups and talk about it and we'd look out i'd look out into society and think i don't see anything changing but now i see everything changing and it's very right. exciting and change is not comfortable change is so not comfortable and we resist it my life has been um up until about eight years ago i was moved i was moved every year or two i never lived in a place longer than two three years was the max so that's a, that's a huge amount of change. You pack up everything you ch- you know like mm-hmm. and it is uncomfortable and inconvenient <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's bloody inconvenient. Mm-hmm. But I, I, as I sit here listening to you, Tracy, I see how it's been a schooling to adapt to change. Where mm-hmm. If you're moved on, you can't get, don't get too comfortable. I'm going to move you on. It's like you, you become very adaptable and you just dance with life. I was having this conversation with a friend the other day who opened a, you know, a center and then we've been in lockdown for the past six weeks. And so 
I'm like, and he's just dancing with life. Like I can't, can't make any money. I can't get people to gather. But you just got to dance with it. You, yeah. What else can you do? We've got to adapt to the changes. Yeah. yeah. Well, that you know, my own story is is all like that as well. You know, as I every every time I I would learn something new and I would be practicing new things, my intention was always to continue to grow and learn and expand, and and you know, pass that along to, to the clients and b- build my business. So I was, you know, I was putting that intention out there and then something would show up and I would say, yeah, but not that. <laughs> that's, that's not what I had in mind. So no. And then, I, you know, it would take me a while, but I would eventually realize, wait a minute, you called that in, you asked for that. And just because it's not something you expect, it doesn't mean it's not for you. So every time I would say, okay, and let that in, it would open up another door and another door and another door. But that had to happen many, many times. And the channeling was one of those things. Yeah. Because you know? I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, this know. is even strange for me. <laughs> you, know? Absolutely. You, you could have been very comfortable, you know, had a very comfortable, cozy life as a psychic channel, doing readings for people. Lots of people reach out and write, what's in my future? Mm-hmm. Am I going to make money? Am I going to find the love mm-hmm. of my life? I've worked with Betty Psychics. You know, I started the radio show 12 years ago with a psychic who worked as a just your regular psychic medium. And she was mm-hmm. so bored because everyone asked the same, same questions. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it, like I said, the channel was never on my radar. I mean, I, neither was uh, doing online readings or phone readings or, you know, neither was teaching, you know. So, you know, as those things came up, um, they, you know, they, they helped me to expand and, and Frank was an unexpected gift. Uh, yeah. and it, and I knew one of the reasons I was really reticent about it was because I knew it was also going to bring in a lot of criti- criticism and, and did it? has it? Oh, absolutely. Yes. So tell me how <laughs> you've been dancing with the criticism, <laughs> you know, that that's, yeah, yeah that's the thing. Yeah. I'm well, gonna... so the first book, you know, when I was, when I was channeling that book. So, you know, I had a little routine where I would do the the writing right before I went to sleep because it would be a time where my brain was kind of sleepy. It wasn't so resistant. It wasn't saying, what are you crazy? You really think you're talking to aliens, you know? Um, So, you know, I could just sit up in bed with my laptop and, and type away and, you know, just, a couple of times I actually fell asleep. I remember the first time I felt myself going and I kind of woke up with a start and I had typed a few paragraphs and they made perfect sense. I had no memory of typing that. So that to me was Frank saying, okay, do you see now? Do you see that this is not you? But anyway, when I was doing that, sometimes in the beginning of those sessions, Frank would give me a little pep talk, you know, a little personal information. And a lot of times it was to because they would address my fears around this and, and my hesitation in doing this because, you know, as just as a psychic medium that, you know, people look at you funny, you know, and, and don't understand why you're doing this. And, you know, uh, people close to me um, uh, just don't understand it. You know, my ex-husband did not understand it. So, you know, I knew that this was going to be a real stretch, even for people who, who would accept the psychic medium work, but they would say, you know, if people criticize you for this, or if they criticize the book, um, they're not your people. That's not who you're writing this for. So you don't have to attach to that. 
So that did help me. Then when the book came out and some of those reviews showed up on Amazon, especially the second book, because the second book was more widely publicized since it was a Hay House book, you know, it would initially feel like a spear in my heart, you know, as, as the sensitive empath introvert, you know, you pour your heart and soul into something and then you get this really scathing review. But I wouldn't sit in that place for as long as, as I probably would have if I hadn't really reconciled myself to that idea that, okay, well, it's, that just means it's not for them, you know? Yeah. Um, but as humans, you know, we do feel that because especially with writing, it feels so personal. This work is so personal to me. To me, it's sacred work, you know? Absolutely. So when, when it's criticized or, criticized or misunderstood, it is, it feels personal. Um, yeah. But I, but I am better able to let that go than, than before. Yeah. <laughs> there are so many people, beings, consciousness, points of consciousness, souls that have come to this planet to do the work you're doing, to do the work I'm doing, to do the work we're doing. Mm-hmm. but they've just, they just couldn't cope, you know, like mm-hmm. their, their shyness, their sensitivity, um, the ridicule, the criticism, the judgment, it just stops them in their tracks. It's like too mm-hmm. hard, going to go and, you know, raise chickens and live in the country and just be <laughs> like by my, me in my garden. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like my part of my mandate is to capture these souls and just like burn mm-hmm. them on, you know, like you can mm-hmm. do this, you can do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like with Adnan, I, I saw that in him. I saw this incredible intelligence and this un- unbelievable shyness and this this creative, like the way he puts together UFO Hub, it's just beautifully mm-hmm. done. That was what struck me about his channel. I'm like, who's behind this? Mm-hmm. This is beautifully done. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and now I see that he's like, he's conquering his shyness and he's actually putting himself on camera, but he's still totally mm-hmm. awkward. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he's doing it like he's doing it and mm-hmm. uh yeah. yeah yeah it's it is the most challenging thing I've ever done mm-hmm. um I have to say and there have been lots of times just the, 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 the psychic work you know where I was ready to give it up many many times uh you know you're you're constantly dealing with people in crisis people yeah. in grief people with life experiences that you can't even imagine um, and as much as I teach and practice being in that uh, witnesses, you know, place and the observer's perch, as a sensitive, you, you feel it. And it, it can be very, very draining. Um, and as I'm getting older, I have found that I need to, I need to pull back a little bit. So I have kind of cut back on my hours. I only take a certain number of readings a day. I need to really manage my energy. Um, right. So, you know, I, I have stopped doing some things and I'm much more cognizant of where I am energetically, and what I need. And, you know, going out in the country and raising chickens is starting to sound really good, <laughs> but I still want to do it. You know, I'm not the, I, I don't, it, it's so much a part of me that I'm not really ready to give it up. Um, but I'm not doing some of the things that I used to do. Yeah, managing our energy is something that I just feel like we need to be taught in every educational mm-hmm. institution. It's just mm-hmm. such an important part of life. And um, as a sensitive, like I'm, you know, sort of close to 60 now, but 
when I was in my thirties, just going to the supermarket was completely overwhelming. I would often just drop my basket and go home and rock in the corner because I couldn't cope with Mm -hmm. the overwhelming stimulus of what I was being, being made aware of. And, uh, uh, as I started to meditate and expand my field, right? And, um, I, you know, I don't have that. It took me probably about 10 years to cope with that, but I don't have that anymore because uh, I've learned to sort of see life through a higher perspective mm-hmm. and, and really don that perspective rather than the human perspective that feels the pain. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's not pain, it's just energy. Energy, energy, and just uh, re-identify what you're feeling as. Uh, sure, it can knock you out. I often get knocked out, fall asleep, and I'll sleep for days sometimes. But um, yeah, just uh, yeah, it's 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 something that needs to be taught in every education, especially as the sensitive kids. You know, like they're coming yeah. in in the millions now too. Yeah, absolutely. I have two of them myself. <laughs> How old are they? Mm-hmm. Uh. 23 and almost 21 yeah and their children will be even more so mm-hmm. you know if they choose to have them so frank um okay so as i'm seeing them and asking quick because i'm asking questions and they're answering uh they're saying that they've reached a point in the evolution of their society where evolving their own society no longer is something that they needed wanted or had to focus on really it was about reaching out beyond their own society to help others evolve so when i asked why are they coming to earth like that's the answer i got what did you did you ask them about why they're here um Mm -hmm. talking to you and and talking to others on planet earth did did they answer Mm -hmm. that question for you yeah it, it they have described uh their kind of journey through the the galaxies and the universe and how they have done this kind of work with other civilizations and planets. And that sometimes it was well-received and sometimes it was not. And there were times where they would move on because they recognized they were not going to have an influence with them. But it also gave them a greater awareness of the different types of beings. And, um, and they've talked about that in a very interesting way and talked about some of the experiences we have with visitors and um, how, you know, that, from their experience, they are not in any way wanting to harm us, but that some of them don't have the emotional uh, intelligence to understand that they're scaring us or that they're they are harming people. You know, it's not that they're doing it on purpose, but but anyway, in those travels, they um, you know they, that has been their intention to help other civilizations. And so when they found us, first of all, again, it just really enamored by our planet and just thought you know they they they're so loving with us i think they just really admire us and what we as a civilization have created here um and you know just really wanting to help us to learn how to preserve what we have created and improve and kind of you know open up our consciousness to who we really are and what our potential really is. So to me, that's just so helpful to know that they see that potential in us. You know, the, you know that when people have said things like, you know, it's inevitable, we're going to destroy the planet, you know, um, and they've said things like this in the sessions that I've done. And 
you know, it always comes up, well, then why would we be here? Why would we have bothered to come and connect with you if we didn't see any potential for you to turn a corner, to make things better, to preserve your planet? Um, and so I think that I, I need to hang on to that. I believe that, you know, I, I'm with them on that. Um, we do have potential. We have, there, there's, there are so many possibilities for the way this could go. And with the feeling of the shift that's happening now, really feeling that potential even more. And, you know, sometimes you need to hit the lowest point before you can start to wake up. And, and I feel that that's, that's what's been happening for us. Absolutely, um, Tracy. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Sledgehammer moment. I've often said this on shows. There's a movie called, well, it's about an alien that comes to Earth to save planet Earth, but in ha having to do planet Earth, to do that, he has to kill all the humans. It's the last day on Earth. Oh, I always forget the name. Mm -hmm. It's been a remake mm -hmm. with Keanu Reeves. And there's a conversation mm -hmm. between him and a scientist. And, um, and the scientist says, um, don't kill us, don't kill us yet. And he says, no, you're killing your planet. We have to kill you to save the planet. And he says, but sometimes when we're pushed to the very precipice, that's when we change it. You know, like, it's like we won't change because it's a good idea. <laughs> we change because we have to change. <laughs> we have to change. And I remember watching that so many years ago going, no, that's not true. We can change. We can change. But as I look out into planet Earth and human consciousness, I'm thinking, no, damn it, he was absolutely right. You know, he's so right. And, and that's the question that I wanted to ask. How has Frank, maybe, I don't know if you've asked this question of them, have they, you know, how do they think they're going and helping, because they're channeling through you and others, in helping us evolve our consciousness? Are they feeling like they're making headway? <laughs> yeah. um i hope so i haven't asked them that question i have not um but i think i don't think they would still be hanging around <laughs> if if they didn't feel that they were at least seeing some kind of progress right. um what's interesting was i um there was almost almost a year like last year um that i didn't hear from them at all there was a moment where I had done an online channeling session, verbal channeling. And at the end, I, I hear them, of course, it's me speaking, but I hear them say goodbye and I felt them go. And I felt it felt very final. And when I came up out of that, I was crying because I was like, they're gone. They left. And um, I wasn't sure if they were going to come back. Right. So it, it was quite a while before they came back. Um, they never really completely explained that absence, but I think part of it was that we needed to figure some things out ourselves. We needed to sit in that place of solitude that many of us had during the pandemic, you know, with the shutdowns, that that was part of the shift. Sure. And I'm witnessing that now, you know, as we've talked about people being at a point of transformation, it's because they had that moment or that time to go within, to, you know, and I, I describe it to people. I say, I feel like the universe took us by the shoulders and said, now sit down and think about your life. Why? Right. You know, because normally we're just running the hamster wheel and right. we don't stop to think about, is this really where I want to be? Exactly. So it, it feels like so many people did that now. And again, they, they weren't happy doing that, but we were kind of forced into it that, we're now starting to recognize that we have the ability to make change right. both individually and as a collective. And that's huge. It is huge. You know? mm -hmm. It's huge. Makes me want mm -hmm. to cry. 
It's huge. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely huge. As I, as I said, we've been in lockdown, like, you know, everyone was out on the streets on the weekend, all over the mm-hmm. world protesting the lockdowns. And as I, as I look around at all the shops that are shutting, like they did it a year ago, they just closed down, businesses closing down en masse. Mm-hmm. And these six weeks that we've been in lockdowns, they're just, I'm just looking at all these empty shops everywhere. I'm not seeing the, the sadness of it. I'm seeing the evolution. It's like mm-hmm. when you're forced, when you're forced to change, you, you've got to change. It's like me being moved. Mm-hmm. I'd move into a house and the landlord would say, she'd be a friend. Oh, I want you to stay here for, for five years. And then he, six months later, she'd go, oh, we're going to renovate the house. You have to move. <laughs> like, you're forced mm-hmm. to change. You know, you have to adapt. You have to come up with new ideas. You have to think. But what right. else? You have to in, involve your creative prowess. You can't just get into this routine. You have mm-hmm. to think, well, what next? What else? What next? You have to employ mm-hmm. your creativity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's Again, it's that the, the choice between resisting it and, right. and inviting right. it. And you know, if something's showing up, if yeah. it's showing up, here it is. Okay, hey, I'm being thrown out of my apartment or whatever, you know. It's yeah. like, okay, I don't like this, but there has to be something in this that is in service to me or right. it wouldn't be showing up. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, that doesn't negate the suffering that went on in the pandemic and has is still going on in, in some ways. But, it, again, we get to take a perspective on it that says, it's all in service to us. It's all you it know, is, in it service is. to the evolution of the collective and individually. And we can take advantage of that and become more self-aware. Um, and, and, you know, like you said, be more aware of our energy, where we are and how we're feeling about our lives, what we want to see. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that really has um, resonated with me in Mike Dooley's work, because he talks a lot about law of attraction and you know, how, how we are manifestors, you know, we manifest by that, that sense of knowing what we want, feeling that, that we can manifest, create something better. Um, and that's what's mm-hmm. happening. You know, it's not, it's not an overnight thing. And it certainly is not um, something that's easy, but it never has been, you know, if you look over the history of the world, mm-hmm. we yeah. forget, we yeah. forget what it has taken to change systems. Yeah, you know, people who have it usually take some sort of Mm -hmm. world war, right? Right, Right. yeah, a holocaust, yeah, you know, you know, uh, child labor laws, you know, women's rights, uh, racial equality, you know, all of these things have taken a lot of unrest and and stirring up of energy and Mm -hmm. people dying, you know, for these causes. And even though we're not quite where we want to be with, with some of those things, we we forget how much progress we've made in a very short amount of time. Um, and, and again, it's like we, these things shake us awake. Um, they do. And because we don't, that. we don't wake up easily. <laughs> we don't wake up easily. Just like mm-hmm. the guy said in that movie, went the day the earth stood still, I think the name of the movie mm-hmm. is, you know, when you push to the precipice, then you'll change. But um, mm-hmm. someone sent me, a, a, a people send me stuff all the time. A video this morning of this Aussie guy screaming about the current, you know, like in his very Aussie accent, you think, and every second word is F, you know, you think, mm-hmm. and as I'm watching mm-hmm. this guy, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, nothing he says is based in logic, but everything he says is based on his intuitive. Like there's some, there's some gut feeling. He knows that what's happening is not right. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't got any logic to explain it, but he's just mm-hmm. full of swear words and anger. Mm-hmm. And as I watch the thousands hit the street on the weekend, you know, humanity is going through a powerful step one process, Esther mm-hmm. Hicks would say, because like Mike, I teach the same thing. Esther Hicks mm-hmm. would say, when you know what you don't want, you know what mm-hmm. you do want because it'll right. be the opposite of that. But mm-hmm. knowing what you don't want is the first step, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I watched 30,000 people hit the streets in Sydney on Saturday. I didn't go out there. I watched it on the YouTube mm-hmm. uh, and um, screaming about what they don't want, you know, and mm-hmm. they're saying we want freedom. We want freedom. Mm-hmm. We don't want these laws and we don't mm-hmm. want these lockdowns and we don't want these passports. And so there's a lot of like they know what they don't want. And they're mm-hmm. all screaming for freedom. So that, then we have to employ our creative ability to like, okay, so how do we live in a more free, more connected, mm-hmm. more unified world? And yeah. Well, it, it's, it has, it's, freedom's not out there. It's in here. You right. know, that's, I think one of Frank's big messages. It's one of the things that comes up over and over again, in the work that I do that, you know, we need to be at peace with ourselves. We need to feel that in here. And it, while we're influenced by the things that happen out there, we really don't have a whole lot of control over that. We can protest and we can make ourselves know, we can stand in our truth, but we wanna be in that place, that place of freedom within ourselves so that those things don't affect us so violently. um, And we don't base our sense of happiness on what's going on out there. Um, So the inner work, is is the hardest part it's so much easier to blame everything else mm-hmm. but the inner work is hard and and this was again this, this sense of what the shift is offering us is is that contemplation that inner awareness that says where do i want to be how do i want my life to feel what do i want to contribute what do i need to express before i leave here yeah um and and a lot of people are a lot of people are thinking about that now. Absolutely. That's so fascinating that Frank left you alone for that, intro, you know, that introspective time that we all went through in the lockdown. Mm-hmm. That's so fascinating. It's like, okay, everyone's going to sit still, stay at home and think. So mm-hmm. we'll just leave and let you do your yeah. thinking. Um, you know, I've had other people on the show that said uh, the pandemic has happened. Um, Mother Gaia let it happen because she needed she needed a break from all the activity, mm-hmm. all the pollution. Mm-hmm. And, and um, mm-hmm. you know, so, so there's many puzzle pieces to this jigsaw puzzle. I, I don't mm-hmm. think that humans, as humans, we love to like, what's the answer? But there right. are so many answers. There's not mm-hmm. one answer. There's just, as we see this whole thing unravel and unfold, mm-hmm. uh, we're just seeing all the puzzle pieces fall into place. It's, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Ah, oh, this has been fascinating, Tracy. <laughs> what are the questions that I have about Frank? I was so curious about Frank and and the fact that they are, you know, just just showcasing you and your story and and them just shows people that we're not alone. Uh, you know, not only do we have our own spirit team, our guardian angels, and our dead relatives, and our mm-hmm. you know galactic brothers and sisters, and our spirit guides, we've got a whole bunch of other beings from other places in the cosmos that are inspiring humanity that are cheering us on you can do this yeah right <laughs> we are not yeah. alone yeah it's pretty cool to to 
witness that and to be on this side of it and to connect with that and and to help other people see that too. You know, I feel blessed to be able to do that as difficult as it can be um, energetically. It's still a blessing because it really does, It you know, it's changed my life in every every single way. You know, it's well, changed my perspective that on was, life. Right, yeah, that was a question I was just thinking. Well, that's a good question. How did it change? How did Frank help you? So mm-hmm. what did Frank teach you? How did it help you? Not just intellectually understand, but how did it help you in your physical world, in your physical life? Yeah, well, I mean, again, it, it expanded, you know, <laughs> it expanded my viewpoint of everything. Uh, it, it showed me something about myself that, that I didn't know was there. Um, you know, it offered me opportunities to really kind of stretch what I thought I could do. Yeah. Um, you know, because, again, I never in a, in a million years would think I'd be speaking or channeling in front of hundreds of people uh, standing in front of, you know, big groups or doing online things or teaching or, you know, just allowing this collective to speak through me. Um, We're it, doing it podcast is, shows. Exactly. It's not something, you know, again, I, I, I had a pretty quiet life up until I started doing this work. So it just showed me that we are so much more than we normally allow ourselves to be. You know, we, we tend to keep ourselves in a kind of safe bubble. Right. And, um, but that's not always very fulfilling. Yeah. So as, as challenging as this has all been, it has been the most fulfilling thing I've ever done uh, and the most difficult at the same time. So I think, you know, it showed me that that idea of being safe and holding back is not really very interesting or fulfilling. Um, it's, it's just seeing what you can do while still honoring your energy. Again, I have to find the balance with that. Um, you know, I need to set the boundaries with it. But it showed me that there's a lot more to us than just this physical being. Um, Did you ever it, ask... Frank or your guides, like who you've been beyond the human, the human experience, like uh, show me some of my lives on other planets or, or have I been on other planets? Like, have you ever asked them that? Um, not really. But I mean, I, I, I know that I've, that I've gone around a little. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just a knowing, you know, and I, sometimes I kind of feel like I, I just want to be present now. So, you know, I know there are a whole lot of reasons why they're communicating through me. They feel like old friends. So yeah. I'm sure there's, there's a higher connection with them as well. Um, you know, I, I kind of find a lot of satisfaction in the not knowing things. Uh-huh. You know, there's a sense of mystery and awe. And that's one of the other things that I've really experienced through this work that I'm always in a sense of awe for what I'm doing, just the world in general. Um, there's this sense of curiosity and awe that has really kind of guided me here. So even though I'm curious, I'm okay with not knowing everything. Um, you know, I, I, I know that I've lived in a lot of different places, a lot of different times and different aspects of me are still out there even now um and i just find that a fascinating thing to think about i don't need to understand it you know i think that's the other thing is that i 
I'm a Capricorn, so I always want to understand everything, you know. Um, so, but that, it, I, I don't focus on that so much anymore. I, it just, it's more of a heartfelt thing. Does it feel right? Does it feel good? Does it feel positive? Is it in alignment with my intentions? Then I'm going to go with it. I don't need to understand how it works. I don't need to explain to anybody how it works. I think sometimes our language doesn't allow us to explain that anyway. It's just yeah. a sense of wonder and awe that, you know, we are so much more than we even could imagine that we are. Exactly. When I've asked my guides, my mob, that question, they laugh and they say, so do you think that your curiosity is, is only in your human life? You're just as curious as a soul as you are as a human, you know, and your curiosity takes you to a lot of different places. And that's all they said. They've never given me any specifics, a few specifics sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I just laughed, yeah, mm-hmm. and just went, yeah, of course, you know, I'm just as curious as a soul as I am as a human. Like, oh, tell me about that. Oh, I want to go there. Oh, I want to see that. <laughs> so, right, right. Show me more, show me more. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but they don't, yeah, get too specific because, yeah, they want us to focus on the job at hand and what we're here to do mm-hmm. in this time, space, reality and who we are and, mm-hmm. and how we can affect change and transformation. Mm-hmm. So they keep it pretty simple now. Yeah. And we want to have fun too. You know, I think that's the other thing we want to enjoy just being here. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, I'm finding that I'm enjoying the just being more and more as I get older, <laughs> you know, um, sometimes I still have that pang, that, <clears throat> you know, I should be doing something else, something meaningful. I should be writing another book, you know, but lately it's more like, no, I think I just need to be today yeah. and be quiet and still and, maybe listen to music or take a walk or something, but maybe not do so much. Um, And, and, you know, I think we need to appreciate that as well. It's another thing that we can get from what we've been going through here is to just appreciate the time that we are here because we never know how long we're going to be here. And it's, you know, things are so unpredictable. So let's make the best of what we've got here and appreciate it, enjoy the beauty of it and be present Right. Yeah, you know, I think the most important work that we can do, um, uh, you know, Deepak Chopra would say, do less and achieve more. And um, mm-hmm. I've had many teachers on the show that say a similar, have a similar message, is the expansion of our own frequency. Because we are all connected, the more we feel good about ourselves and our lives, and just the more we feel good, the more mm-hmm. we're actually affecting change. Yeah, which right. is which is something that I think, you know, I want to tell that 30,000 people or hundreds of thousands of people or millions of people that were screaming on the weekend and being angry at what's happening. Mm-hmm. They don't understand that actually feeling good is so mm-hmm. important because we're all connected. Mm-hmm. And so feeling good is actually doing the work. Um, mm-hmm. Visualizing about what you want, feeling good about it, so important. So sometimes that looks like swimming in the cold ocean, going for a walk. <laughs> Just appreciating, appreciating, appreciating. Mm-hmm. Oh, Tracy, it's been so beautiful. Any last messages that you'd like to get in there before we say goodbye? <laughs> well, um, uh, you can always pick up the books and read them. Um, the, the, the first one is more of an introduction, so you'll find out more details about how Frank first came through. Um, the second one is all question and answer format. So, you know, again, Mike asked some really probing questions uh, that 
you know, really fascinating stuff that, that has come out of the dialogue between uh, Mike and, and the collective known as Frank. So, you know, I, I think keep an open mind, you know, as much as possible, keep an open heart, you know, allow your heart to speak to you. This is a huge message that, that is coming up a lot lately. Um, we are so thought-based right. and intellectual, logical, you know, um, beings. We're taught that that's the only way that we can function in the world is, is to figure everything out. Mm -hmm. um, nothing wrong with that. We do need to function. We do need to be logical. We have to be human. We need to feel but everything out instead of figuring out. Feel. We need to feel everything out. <laughs> so to me, that's what the shift is all about. It's it's the divine feminine energy. It's the heart-centered energy. It's the feeling self. It's the intuitive self. And if we can learn to balance the thinking mind with that feeling self and, mm -hmm. and really tune into that deliberately and intentionally and ask ourselves more often, how does this feel? What am I sensing here? What am I feeling about this? Um, and stop seeing that as a weakness. Again, as we've both talked about, being sensitive individuals has, you know, we spent most of our lives thinking there was something wrong with that because that's what our culture tells us. Right. You know, I was right. sent to the school psychologist in sixth grade because I was so quiet. There must be something wrong with her. You know, so I internalized that for most of my life. So wow, you know, I was coming to the place. I was sent to the school school psychologist as well, but not because I was go. quiet, because. Mm -hmm that that frustration in me turned into rebellion like turned mm -hmm. into anger and mm -hmm. rebellion and watching mm -hmm. my parents beat up on each other and nearly kill each other and it just turned into rebellion mm -hmm. yeah and that shyness yeah. And, yeah so I was sent there too to the school yeah right so you know we learned things about ourselves and then you know the good news is we became adults and at some point we realized that those things weren't necessarily truths but right. they weren't the full truth they weren't the whole truth um and I, you know, I think that journey for me is something that I want to help other people to discover about themselves, that the things they might think of as faults about themselves may actually be gifts. And it's just all in the perspective of it. Um, you know, I, I don't need to change who I am, you know, to feel comfortable with myself. I'm an introvert. I'm a quiet person. I don't like um loud noises and big crowds and that's always going to be the same but I can learn to manage that and I have learned to manage that and use it to my advantage and I've learned to you know trust what I'm sensing and feeling and again I'm feeling blessed by that ability to do that to connect with the higher knowing that's where the gift is so you know this isn't just my journey and, and it doesn't even only apply to hypersensitive people or you know um it applies to everybody. We all have sensitivities. Again, just what we talked about with the babies, you know, we come in with sensitivities and we unlearn them. We learn to block them. So if we can just start to acknowledge them more, pay attention to that small voice, that intuitive urge, that kind of download that urges you forward or urges you to try something new. Um, that's what's going to really start us in motion toward something better both individually and as a collective. So that's, you know, one of the main messages from Frank. And it's something, again, that comes up a lot in the other work that I do. And it's something that I'm seeing actually starting to happen, which is pretty exciting. Tracy, it's been so beautiful to connect with you today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. So beautiful. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
fascinating conversation with Tracy. Wasn't she gorgeous? Wasn't she fascinating? Yeah, the shyness and sensitivity thing I can really relate to. And I think a lot of people that listen to my show can as well. Uh, it's interest, interesting because you can be shy and gregarious at the same time, like I am, <clears throat> um, which, which means that I don't look like I'm a shy person uh, because I'm sort of loud and gregarious and full of questions. And, but yeah, there's this sensitivity which makes you retract and become maybe shy like I was saying about the babies you know I was like that as a um, as a as a as a young adult I would feel people's energy and instead of my um, natural ability to want to be friendly and, and reach out to them and chat and ask them a million questions I would just recall and just go no I don't want to talk to that person <laughs> just and it would look like shyness but it wasn't it was just feeling people's energy so so interesting but today I feel people's energy and I feel if it stinks or it doesn't stink, and I still sort of talk to them because I don't, I don't worry, you know, if they're, if they've got horrible energy, it just means that they're, you know, just thinking stressful thoughts, and they need to know how to not think stressful thoughts because we're all one, right? We all come from the same source. We're all an extension of the source, um, believing or not believing our stressful thoughts. So everyone is worth talking to. So I have a different perspective on it today, and I don't worry about feeling other people's pain. I don't worry about it. Sometimes I get completely overwhelmed if I'm out at a supermarket or out in a crowd and I'll come home. I had the plumbers here recently. Uh, they were fixing the hot water died. Just before the lockdown said that you can't have workmen in your house because, you know, the government here in Australia is doing crazier and crazier things. They said, we're going to lock you down for two weeks and six weeks later, the restrictions are getting stronger and stronger. Now they're saying, don't be friendly with people on the streets. <laughs> what they're doing don't talk to strangers they're saying to people publicly on television stupid politicians saying if you go to the supermarket don't talk to people don't stop and talk to people seriously uh, anyway it is just crazy what's happening it's all for a reason but uh yeah so the plumbers came and there were three of them and it was hilarious there was one that, that was like a comedy show there was one mr pessimism and one mr optimism one guy was like, oh, we can't do this. Like nothing could, nothing was right. And the other guy was like, yep, we can do anything. <laughs> but there was this play of energy. And then there was this young apprentice and he was nervous. And, and after these guys left my house, I was exhausted. I felt like I'd been hit by a Mack truck. <laughs> I had a meeting that I had to cancel because I felt like I'd been hit by a Mack truck. And then I'm like, okay, I've taken on this energy. Um, you know, the play between the pessimist and the optimist and then the nervousness of the young apprentice and, um, I, I just needed to rest and just let it go. And I did that. And then I felt fine after an hour or two. But um, yeah, so even when it does affect you, you don't have to suffer over it. You just have to go, okay, I'm, I'm hanging on to this. Time to let it go. And it can be as quick as you want it to be, really. I just fell asleep because I felt exhausted and asked for a clearing. But yes, Frank, fascinating. Frank, such a funny name. Frank Talk. I like the you know, the Frank talk of that kind of works, doesn't it? I think that they had a great sense of humour when they picked the name Frank. Such an old-fashioned word, isn't it? It's such an old-fashioned name. Hilarious. But uh, I'm sure they're called something else with other people. They call themselves other people. But, um, yeah, fascinating. Okay. 
what else do I want to say? Who's coming up on in the Inner Sanctum? I have no idea. I haven't looked at my schedule, but I've got lots of people booked in for the show. We're getting very galactic. Actually, I'm having a chat with Stephen, Stephen Simon this week. I'm pretty sure I'm talking to Stephen. I'm pretty sure I've got him booked in. I don't know if I've got him uh, about his journey. I've had Stephen on my show before. He's a director producer worked in the film industry for a long time he directed produced the show what dreams may come with robin williams and he was the co-founder or the founder of spiritual cinema circle uh, a conscious person in hollywood uh, but his beautiful gorgeous adoring wife left the planet left her body a few years ago and he's had this amazing communication with her since and that and he's written a book about it and that is the conversation i'm going to have with Stephen if we're confirmed either this week or another time, uh, uh, which is not so galactic, but um, I reached out to him again because I just thought it was a wonderful, wonderful, uh, wonderful thing that had happened to him, even though it was tragic and he went through a lot of grief, but he's maintained that connection with her. And then Craig, Camp I don't even know how to say it, but I thought Campo Basco, who is another director, filmmaker, but also very galactic, and Matthew Mornian. Anyway, lots of um, lots of fabulous galactic people coming on the show. Yeah, so it'll be fun. And if you want to continue these conversations and meet other people that love these conversations, join us in the Inner Sanctum. We get online weekly. We had Sue online this week. Walker uh, I'm just finishing editing that uploading the highlights uh, we quizzed her about all sorts of things she was recently on third eye salon with Kat Linda and uh, Jillian and um, she was saying you know on the inner sanctum, sanctum the other day that basically she was downloading the information as she was saying it on their show it was a bit frightening about the coming earth changes but we we nutted that out and talked about that in more detail what that means to humanity and um we talked about telepathic, involving our telepathic abilities and all sorts of things. So I'll be uploading the highlights to that soon. Uh, so if you want to join the Inner Sanctum, please do so. Love to love to meet you. Love to meet you there. It's seriously so cheap. It's like for less than $10 a week for Australians and less than like $7 a week for, per session for, um, for people in the US and, and Europe. Uh, I, I know other people that charge, you know, $75 to $100 a session for the same sort of thing. But, some people do it for free and some people charge a lot more. Go figure. Anyway, <laughs> lovely, lovely to um, please like and subscribe and share the shows and lovely to be with you all. Remember to, if you haven't already bought it, check out the book Awakened by Death. Bye for now. Thanks for watching. <laughs>